uh, we are kicking off a brand new series called We Are Core Church. And you're going to hear over the next few weeks, I just want to encourage you to be here for all four weeks. Come on, tell somebody, I'm going to be here all four weeks. I'm going to be here all four weeks. All right, I'm going to be here. All right, good. Uh, now that we got that out of the way, that's awesome. I, uh, I, will, I will be here three out of the four. But you guys, you be here all four. Uh, but if you're new, you're going to really enjoy this series because you're going to hear the heart of our church and what we are about, why we exist. And that's a big question I think we ask sometimes, isn't it? Like, why, why do I go to church? <laughs> like, why, why, am I, why am I doing this? Like, uh, and it's, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, maybe you don't ever ask this, but sometimes you're like, now, why am I following Jesus? What's this whole thing about? So we like to stop every year and just be reminded this is why we exist as a church. This is why we exist as followers of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. But as you're looking that up, let me, let me just tell you this. Uh, Ten years ago, I was asking myself kind of that question, where are we headed as a church? And what is it, God, you want us to do as a church? And and he led me to what's called the great commandment in scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I got out a napkin at that coffee shop and I wrote down four words, heart, soul, mind, and neighbor. And those became our four core values. And what Jesus was trying to say through the great commandment is, if you forget everything else, this is why the church exists. This is why you exist. So these are our four core values. We're gonna put them on the screen so you can see them. And then we're going to read from Jeremiah. But I want us to say these together. So if you wonder, why are we in church? Why am I a follower of Jesus? Or if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is what it means. Let's say this. We find hope as we connect our hearts in worship. We receive healing as we offer our souls in surrender. We gain peace as we renew our minds in relationship. And we discover purpose as we engage our neighbors through serving. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at those. Today, I want to look at core value number one. We find hope as we connect our hearts in worship. And throughout the series, we're going to be looking at the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 17, now, I talked a little bit about Jeremiah last week, but if you weren't here, let me catch you up. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was kind of like a preacher in his day. And God raised him up and said, I'm going to make you a mighty man of God. And Jeremiah's like, yeah, baby, woo. He's like, I'm going to make you a, a voice to the people. And he's like, yeah, this is awesome. And then he said, nobody's ever going to listen to you. Yay. But Jeremiah did it and became one of the greatest prophets of the Bible. And the people did not listen to him. For God had a word for the people that they, they were in sin, that they were in idolatry, that they weren't listening to God. And and the Babylonian and Assyrian army were coming down in full force. And he said, I'm, God said, I'm not going to hold them back. And you're going to go into captivity. And Jeremiah tried to tell the people that. And they didn't like him. And they threw him in a well. They tried to kill him. They hauled him off to Egypt. It was just a bad, bad deal for him. And we find him in Jeremiah chapter 17, kind of trying to call the people back. And in verse 5, he says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength, who turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. Hey, Jeremiah, tell us what you really think. Uh, they will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. Jeremiah, if he was a preacher today, he would dwindle it down to probably 10 people, okay? This would not preach today. If you stood up and you said this in church, nobody's coming back the next week. So you can see why the people didn't like him. But he did have good news for them. He said, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. 
They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Father, thank you for this moment we have to share your scripture. Thank you for this guy named Jeremiah that was so obedient to obey a very, very difficult call, but we learned so much through him. Would you speak to us, God? Would you speak through me? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, it's the final day of the fair. How many of you been to the fair? Been to the fair? All right. Uh, I, have, I love the fair, but I also find the fair a little disturbing. Uh, I, I don't know if you have that kind of relationship with the fair. And what I think is funny about fair week is we will spend money and we will do things that we would never do in a, the normal course of our lifetime. Like when you're in the expo building, you're in the expo building, and you're like, hey, let's, let's tour an RV. That sounds like fun. And we do it, not once. We go through like three or four of them. And, and we get the kid, your kids are jumping on the bed, you know, and you're like, and you're thinking, the, the guy who's selling the RVs is really ticked off, like, your kid is jumping on the bed. All you're thinking is, dude, they charge 15 bucks for the trampoline out on the midway. This is free. <laughs> this is great entertainment. But none of us are waking up on a Saturday and going, hey, kids, got something fun today. We're going to Clark's RV camp. Come on, it's going to be awesome. No, we're not doing that. But we go to the fair and we do these, these crazy things. Like, and, and you have these impulse buys. Like you're walking through the expo building. You're like, you know, honey, what we need is a piano and a hot tub. If we had, I mean, I'm thinking I'm in the hot tub. We have this guy right here playing his grand piano right next to the hot tub. That would be living. And then when you walk through the expo building, here's the one thing you do know, everybody does this universally, never make eye contact, right? <laughs> never, because you're going to walk out of there with $200 worth of knives and a mop you will never use. <laughs> and that's the good part of the fair. Now, here's the disturbing part of the fair, and if you don't feel this way, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is just me, and, and, and I, I got the microphone today. Uh, so when, you're, when, you, when I think of the midway, uh, when I think of the Midway, I, uh, I think of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah uh, and selling funnel cakes and turkey legs. That's uh, it's kind of my picture. You have a different, some of you have a different picture of the Midway. I, that's the one that comes to my mind. Because you, you got this guy, you know, and he's out there barking, win one for the little lady, win one for the little lady. And you're like, dude, I am not 17, okay? I don't need to impress the little lady, all right? So just give me four softballs. <laughs> then like $40 later, you still haven't won the giant pink panda, and you're wondering, why am I trying to buy this pink panda? And then you go to the rides. Why do we take our children to these rides, parents? Like, the way I would describe this is like a truck stop bathroom blaring Guns N' Roses. That is what these... <laughs> this ride, like, it's like, you want me to sit there? No. No, I am not sitting there. And then... I, it's, it, just imagine, if you would, if we had carnies running core kids this morning. Like, you went back there, there's a guy, he's got a half-lit cigarette, you know, he's got his Leonard Skinner t-shirt on, he's like, hey, you got your ride coupons for the Jupiter jump? You know, <laughs> you'd just be like, kids, you're going to service with me today. You're going to service with me. But we, we entrust our, our, our 
We entrust our children to a ride that rolled in on a semi three days ago and was put together with a paper clip and a chiclet. And we're just we're like, kids, get on. And then they strap them in that cage, and the guy's like, Kish. but it never closes on the first try. He's like, Kish. and finally he's like, Kish, like that. The kid's like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, you're going to have a good time, have fun. It's crazy. I, I really think if we, if we just stop for just a minute and, and we just thought, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe, kids, stay close. We're going to the car. I think if we just stopped and thought about it. And I, I think this is true also in our, in our lives. We often don't stop and think about how we're spending our money, the choices that we're making, the relationships we're involved in. We just kind of do it. And I, I think if we stop, and we really stopped for a moment, and we really took a step back and thought through how, I, how I'm spending my money and, and, and the relationships I'm involved in and the, and the, the jobs that I'm, I'm thinking about and, and the decisions and the plans and the dreams and the hopes I have for the future. I, I think sometimes we might have one of two reactions. I think, one, we might go, man, I'm making some really good decisions. We would look at some of the areas of our life, and we go, doing really well. But I think if honestly we stopped and we looked at some of the areas, you might go, oh, <laughs> that area I'm not, I'm not doing, doing so well in. So what, what I want us to do for a few minutes today is I want us to just stop and I want to a- ask this question, who or what are you placing your confidence and your hope in? Where are you placing your confidence and your hope? Because Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 17, tells us we've got to be careful where we place our hope and our confidence. Jeremiah 17, five, let's go back to that. I read out of the New Living Translation, so if you're in a, uh, on a smartphone or electronic device, just look for the NLT. If you don't have a Bible, I just encourage you to download version. It's a great version of the Bible. But in verse, in verse five, he says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in, in what? In mere Humans, I turn to somebody and say, I don't think I'm supposed to trust you. I don't think I'm supposed to trust you, all right? Who rely on what? KP. That's what it says right there. Who rely on KP. Who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Come on, turn back to that person and say, I'm sorry, but I am not your hope. I am, I am not your hope. So, so he, he, here's, here's, here's what's going on here. The, the children of Israel are under attack. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, they're coming down on them, they're barreling down on them, and this is the, the, the never seen uh, an army or a nation coming at them like this before. They were going to be completely overrun. They, were, they felt threatened. There was a lot of fear, anxiety. They didn't know what to do, which is crazy because their history has told them they were supposed to trust in the... Lord. They were supposed to trust in the Lord. They had this history where they're supposed to turn and trust in the Lord, but they don't turn and trust in the Lord. You know what's, you know what's awesome? We never do that. That's, that's what I love about 2017. We have figured that out. Have we not? Amen? Nobody? One, okay, one person. I'll see you at the altar later. Okay. Um, but no, we've not figured it out either, right? I mean, they, they repeat it over and over again. It seems like we do the same thing. And so instead of trusting in God, what the children of Israel did is they turned to the Egyptians. Now, that's crazy because that's the 
nation that had them enslaved for 400 years. They're turning back to them and saying, will you save us and will you help us? Now, honestly, it seems like a dumb idea, but it was actually a decent idea because the Egyptians were a very, very powerful nation. And so they were looking around thinking, how are we going to get out of this? And they turned to something that they thought could really possibly help them. And we do the same thing. Because we all, we all want stability. We, we all want to know that we are loved. We all want to know that we have some kind of identity, that, that we are valued. And when we are threatened in any one of those areas, what we can tend to do is make an unhealthy alliance. For the Israelites, it was the, the Egyptians and they made this unhealthy alliance. And Jeremiah says it this way. It, you, you make an unhealthy alliance when you put your trust in humans instead of God. Now, what's he mean by that? And what's the context of that for us? Well, I, I just think it's this way. Like, when you're unstable in your finances, and you got that bill, or you got the thing that you can't pay, and instead of turning to God, instead of hitting your knees, instead of looking to God, God, I need you to help in some way, what we do is we go and we will make an unhealthy alliance with a credit card. Oh, come on, don't amen, don't shout me down here, people. Come on, come on now. Come on, tell somebody that's good preaching. That is really good preaching. Do not make an alliance with a credit card. Come on, tell somebody right now, don't make that alliance. Do not make that, but we do. We do, and we think, well, I'll just, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming me, though, pastor, and I don't know what to do, so I'm going to put it here. It's exactly what the Israelites did. Or, or if it's not credit cards, we're like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make an unhealthy alliance with the paycheck. With the pay, a paycheck's a good thing, but, but we can make that alliance like I'm dependent upon that paycheck for all my resources, or even worse yet, I'm dependent upon a raise that I, I'm counting on, and I make this unhealthy alliance in that area of my life. So we, we face instability, and there's all different kinds of areas. Self-worth, if, if your self-worth just craters and, and you, you have no worth at all, we should turn to God. We should look to him. He's my creator, He's the one who made me. I should turn to him, but, but often we don't. Instead, I turn to, to the diet. I could just drop 10 pounds because what I'm seeing in the mirror, I don't like. And if I could drop 10 pounds, then my self-worth will, 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 will come back. And if, if I, you know, I, man, it's, you know what? I'm going to put my trust in a diet. I'm going to put my trust in CrossFit. I'm going to put my trust in yoga. Uh, you know, here's what some of us do. We put our, I'm going to put my trust in, in social media. I feel really bad about myself right now. I need a little confidence boost. I need a little pick-me-up. I'm going you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to filter this picture just right. I'm going to take it at the right angle. You ever seen people do that? They're like, this is the funniest thing ever. When you're like, you're, they're, they're like this, like, that's the right one. Now filter that, all right? And you get the right, if I get the right filter on it, and I have the right, you know, look, Or if my kids are posed just right, see, I'm a good mommy, I'm a good daddy, look what I have, my kids at the fair, like me, like me, like me. And then if you don't get enough likes, oh, I'm just going to take it down, because that's embarrassing. Man, I only got like 24 likes, that's, that's just bad, that's just bad. Some of you are like, man, 24, that's really high, I've never gotten 24 <laughs> likes. 
We count likes, though. We count them up. Why? Why do you have the incessant need to look for those likes? Because you want to be liked. Because it builds your, it, it just feeds you like, oh, man, it feels good. And so we, we make an unhealthy alliance. See, social media is not bad. Job's not bad. These things aren't bad, but we make an unhealthy alliance with them. We're struggling to uh, find our identity. I just don't know who I am. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and you hear about this, this uh, you hear about Discover that we're, we're launching at the end of this month, and it's going to be a first service, 930 service, and you're like, oh, that's cool, whatever, you know. Instead of looking towards that to where I could go and I could really kind of find out who I am in Christ, and you go and you, you think, man, I, I just I need to know who I am, and you look for it in a zip code. None of us ever do that. Like, if I could just live in that zip code, then I would be somebody. You know, if I, I, if we search for it in a career, like if I could just have my, if that was my title, if I could get that title, then people will know. They'll know I'm, I'm somebody. And we're searching for our identity in all these different things, the brands we wear, cars we drive, you name it. Some of us today, honestly, what we are doing is we, make a, we have this feeling all of us, we desire, all of us want to be loved, all right? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I want to be loved. I want to be loved. I want to be loved. Some of you are single right now. You're looking around. Where is she? Where is she? I want to be loved. Just want you to know that. After the service, come see me. I want to be loved. That's right. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. But we, want, we all desire it. We all want to be loved. Some of us want to be so desperately loved instead of turning to God. Israelites, they're not turning to God. They're turning and they're making an unhealthy alliance. And we will, we will do whatever, whenever, however, just so someone will love me, anybody. And we will compromise and do whatever we have to do to be loved. And here's Jeremiah. And he says this, people who put their trust in human strength have no hope. This is the way he says it. They are like what? In verse 6, they are like what? Stunted shrubs. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't be a stunted shrub. Do not be a stunted shrub. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with, come on, everybody together, no hope for the future. I love Jeremiah. Just tell us what you really think. You have no hope. Sometimes it's hard to be the preacher and say the negative thing. I want every person who comes to feel hope. I want you to walk in here, no matter the condition of your soul, no matter the condition of your life, or where you find yourself, that you're never beat down when you come in here, but you are lifted up, and you walk out of here with hope. But sometimes when you go to the doctor to find hope, he's got to tell you what's wrong, right? And if the doctor will not ever tell you what's wrong, he's not being a good doctor, and there's times that I have to stand up and I just have to say, this isn't the way we're supposed to live. This isn't, this isn't who we are. This isn't what we're supposed to be doing. And he says, they have no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. I, I, love, I love coffee. Any coffee lovers in the house? I'm talking about like real coffee, okay? Anybody grind your beans? You, you grind beans. There's the real coffee lovers right there. The rest of you, fakers, posers, all right? I mean, I, I love coffee. In fact, um, uh, Todd and Jody Guy brought me back 
real Ethiopian coffee beans roasted there, brought them back from Ethiopia with their I Am Not Forgotten organization, brought it back, and I had it this morning. It was insanely amazing. I love coffee. Coffee, the love of coffee was instilled in me by my grandma. I remember being seven, eight years old, and she introduced me to coffee. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, that's just terrible. It's, it's not shots, okay? I wasn't doing shots, okay? It's coffee. And this is, so she would get out, taster's choice. Anybody remember? How many of you old schoolers know what taster's choice? Like, yeah, like 10 of us even know what that is. Taster's choice, there ain't no taste in it. It's just, and it's instant coffee, okay? That's what it is. It's instant coffee. And I remember I'd sit down with my grandma, she pour some milk in it, and I loved coffee. I, I loved it so much. When she was not around, I would take a spoonful of it out and just eat it raw. It made me what I am today. I, I love coffee, but here's the one thing we've all heard about coffee, all right? If you drink coffee, it will stunt your growth, all right? I mean, thank God. I don't know how tall I would possibly be. That <laughs> started when I was seven, okay? I would have been signed by the thunder, not Carmelo. Uh, that's what would have happened. But thank God. Now, we don't know if coffee does that or not, but we do know this. We do know that poor eating habits and bad nutrition will stunt your growth, right? Bad, bad nutrition and, and a poor diet absolutely will stunt your growth. And here's what I want you to know today is this. That God created you. He designed you with potential. And he wants you to reach your fullest potential. Like he has plans for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a dream for every person here. Some of you don't believe that, and what's happening is you're stunting your growth in these other things. But if I would trust God, if I would look to God, I could, I could be raised up to my fullest potential. Jeremiah says, placing our things, placing our hope in the things of this world is, is just simply this bad nutrition. It's bad nutrition. It's an improper diet. It will stunt your potential because they, they can't, those things can't live up to their expectations. We, whether it's your job or money or a relationship or your kids or whatever, those are all good things. But, but we put this unrealistic expectation on them that they cannot deliver on. Why? Because they are, as Jeremiah says, mere humans. Come on, tell somebody, I'm mere. I am mere. All right? M-E-R-E. I am, I'm mere. In, in other words, I'm fallible. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm limited. People are going to let you down. Raises are not going to come. Guess what? The pounds, pounds are going to come back. What we often think is hope is really no more than a wish. Man, I, I hope the raise comes through. I hope, I hope they like me. I hope they don't break up with me. I, 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 I hope that this happens. I'm hoping for the best. And it's nothing more than a wish. And what happens to us is we, we end up with, as Jeremiah says, no hope for the future because we planted in a desert. See, you're planting in the wrong place. You should be planting, but you're planting in the wrong place. And in verse 7, Jeremiah tells us where to plant. But blessed 
are those who trust in the Lord and have made what? Come on, everybody together. Let's say this last part. Made the Lord their hope and confidence. See, real hope has confidence attached to it. Real hope means I'm confident in it. In other words, with God, I, I can have a confident hope. So here's what I want to get said today, and I'd like for you to write this down and kind of take it with you this week, is to hope in God is to start with God. To hope in God is to start with God. Come on, tell somebody you got to start with God. Three people right now, front of you, behind you, around you, you got to start with God. See, the Israelites didn't. If you look earlier in the chapter of the Israelites, they didn't start with God. They started with idols. and In fact, it tells us that, Jeremiah says, that they put an idol up on every hill and under every green tree. Idols were everywhere. And what happened is they, they slowly began to push God out of their nation. Because we will worship whoever or whatever we put first in our lives. Whatever is first in your life, that's your area of worship. That's where your worship is going to come from. In other words, all of our time, all of our efforts, our, our resources, our decisions are all filtered through whatever's first. For some people, they worship their kids. You're like, oh, I, don't, I don't worship my kids. I don't worship my kids at all. Really? Really? Every decision, all resources, everything is filtered through my kids. I want to make sure that they're happy, that they have what they want, that they, what they need. I mean, we've all seen it. You've seen it at the fair. You've seen it at the store. The kid's are like, I want, I want, I want. And the parent goes, all right, you get and we give in to that child because we want that child to be as long as they're happy, then everybody's happy, and the, everything in the family revolves around that child, and we just are just trying to, and we end up worshiping that child. We don't mean to worship that child, but you know what? We worship our kids so much at times, we got to, I'll make sure that they're able to be on every traveling team they want to be on. I'm going to make sure they have all the right equipment. I got to make sure they have the right, they, they got to have the logo. They got to have the socks with the logo because all the other kids, they got the socks with the logo. So I got to get the socks with, with the logo and I got to make sure I don't have the money for the socks with the logo. I just really need to get them the socks without the logo. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put it over here on this card and we'll pay for it later and you make a decision based off of them. We do this in all areas of our life. We'll do it with our career. We stay late. We, we don't come home. We, we get, pour ourselves into this. We move. We, we go from job to job, position to position, because we are looking, and every decision is filtered through that. How I am going to live my life, where I'm going to go, what's going to happen is all filtered through that. We all worship. At, it, it, we, some of us worship money. Money is our, our God. It drives everything, and every decision is driven through money. You know, it's a, this is another one. Some of you are like, I'm just flat broke. I would never worship money because I ain't got any. I ain't got, a, I ain't got a dollar to put up on a hill somewhere, okay? Some of us worship fun. If it's not fun, I'm not doing it. And so every decision you make is off of fun. It is a weird one. People worship themselves. I saw a story this, this uh, last week about a lady in Italy who married herself. She married herself. I didn't think it was a true story. I looked up. It's true. This lady had a ceremony. She said, I don't need a Prince Charming. I am charming enough as it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe you should marry yourself. No guy would want that. And she's got her bridesmaid. She had a ceremony address. 
They even have a name for this. It's called, I think it's called slogamy. I don't even know how to, I call it slugotomy. I mean, it's just so, bleh. But it's like sologamy, okay? S-O-L-O, solo, like I'm, I am my own God. And so every decision, every relationship is centered around me. We focus our time and our resources and our attention on all of these things. And, and what happens in our lives is not only does our family pay a price, not only do our children pay a price or our relationships pay, pay, pay a price because we're worshiping at this. And we all understand that, right? I mean, we, you, you understand like, man, you know, men all understand this. We've heard this over and over again. You know, don't be a slave to your job and wake up one day and you don't know your children, right? We all get that. And like, yes, don't let that happen to you. Don't be a slave to your job and wake up one day and not know the name of your God. Who is your God? Because here's what happens to us. The thing that gets sacrificed is God. God slowly, subtly gets pushed out of our lives. Man, I got to work late. I work late and I'm exhausted. And I mean, you get up and you got to get up late. You know, I I, I should be reading my Bible. I should pray, but... God understands. God understands. He knows I've got to make the money. Now, you know, out the door I go, and, 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 and I don't pray. Weekend rolls around, and, I, and I'm tired, and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm wore out. And, man, I just, you know what? I'm, I'll just go to church. I'll just go to church next Sunday. I mean, the kids are cranky. Look how cranky the kids are. And then suddenly, we make our worship decisions even off of our children. My children are cranky. My kids are cranky. They're just acting up. We'll just stay home from church. Guess who just became your God? Guess who just became your God? Can I just give you some free advice? If your kids are cranky, why would you not bring them to church and drop them off for somebody else who can care for them for like an hour? Here's the decision. Somebody else's problem or my problem at home? I'm bringing my cranky kid, all right? Please don't let the the children's workers know I said this. But, you know, you drop them off and you're like, man, an hour and a half of me time. This is sweet. And we just set up hot tubs in here and have the piano guy. You'd be like, hey, hey, woo this is sweet, but we don't. And we let these things make our decision. Oh, man, I give to God. Oh, there's, hey, there's three ways to give. The orange buckets and the bucket of guilt passes by. And you're like, oh, I should give to God. And you don't give to God. Listen, this is, this is the thing. To hope in God is to start with God. And a lot of us say, I have a hope in God, but really what you have is a wish in God. You have a wish. Man, I hope, I hope God comes through. I, I'm really hoping God will do this. I'm really hoping this will happen. You know, you know, you, you know, yeah, you have a true hope and a confidence in God is when you start with God. Let me, let me just lay this out as just bluntly as I can. Like you say, do you really hope in God financially? You got bills? All of us. How many you got bills? How many got bills? I got bills. I got to pay. All right, yeah, I got bills. All of us have bills, and, and we have bills that we can't pay. And, and here's how you know you trust God. The very first payment I make is to God. I pay God. Do you, do you give God what he deserves? In the church, we talk about tithing. We talk about as followers of Jesus, the principle in Scripture is, is 10%. And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you think about how much that is, and you back off a little bit. And I would say to you, do you really have, do you really have a hope in God? And I know this is hard preaching, and I know that I'm stepping on your toes. I know you don't want to hear this, okay? All right? But tell somebody right now, say, that is good preaching. I, I don't like it, but that is, that is good preaching, okay? Listen, because here's what happens. This is what, I'm, this is what I want to say to you, okay? And I'm not telling you this from somebody who does not know, who does not know the struggle, all right? Right? I have tithed since I was like six. My mom just 
grilled it into me. It was so much easier when I was making $5 and had to give 50 cents than $50,000, and now i got to give five grand? Are you kidding me? Do you know what I could do with that? Just think of how much you make in a year and take 10%. Could you imagine trying to give that? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to flip it and think, can you imagine being able to give that? I give this away. I don't invest it in myself. I give this to others. I, I, give, this to, I, I give it away to make the world a better place. I, I, I just tend to think this, that I'm better off with my 90% and God than my 100% and myself. That's just the truth. That's just what I know. And so I encourage you, put God first financially. Put him first. Like, all right. And, I, and I'm just telling you, this is what I do. And so there's times that I have, I have paid Laura and I over the years for three decades now. Three decades in all transparency, in, in full um, integrity. We have never not tithed. In third, over 30 years of marriage, we've never one time not given. And we've had cars broken down sitting in front of the house. We've had a, an empty refrigerator. Okay, I just told my son uh, about a, a job that I had years and years ago when I wasn't in ministry and they weren't paying me. And, and I went to the refrigerator and that night, all that was in the refrigerator was a hot dog and a McDonald's ketchup packet. And I was just telling him this this week and I sat him down and he was like five years old and, and we sat at that table and I cut up that hot dog and Laura sat on the other side of this table and we, we just looked at the one hot dog and we pushed the hot dog to him and the ketchup packet and we just watched him eat that night. Tithing, giving, Hey, Brad, that's insane. Why would you do that? Because God always takes care of you. You know what happened the next day? Nobody knew financially. Nobody knew anything that was happening in our lives. No one knew our plight. We showed up the next day all over the front of our, um, our, our porch were bags and bags and bags of groceries. Because that's who God is. Like God sees you, what you're doing, how you're giving, and the decisions you're making. And when I, and I don't, I've never questioned it. I, I, under, I, I would love to tell you, hey, I understand the struggle, but I'm just going to be honest. I don't know the struggle because I've never known the struggle. Now, Laura does. Laura can tell you the struggle of it, but I, I just have always done it. I'm like, I don't know. We just give it first. That's what we do. I know, but we got to pay PSO. They can get in line. They get in line behind God. <laughs> I'd rather have God, them get in line behind God than God get in line behind ONG. All right, G-O-D in front of O-N-G. Oh, tweet that somebody. That, I, I didn't say that first, but that was, that was good. Oh, that was, that was a really good one. I'm really proud of myself on that one. Let me have a moment. All right. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm into overtime. Let me, let me wrap this real quick. So let me just say this. Like, you got to give God the first of your week, which is what you're doing right now. You want to have a great week? Give him this. Give him this. Like, if you won't give him an hour on a Sunday you, and you want him to bless you Monday through Saturday, like, what are you smoking? Like, seriously. I, I, this is raw, and I know some of you are like, I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you, like, I'm going to have my butt in church, and I've had my butt in church for 30 years because, one, because God deserves first place. He deserves to be glorified. glorified deserves to be honored. He deserves to be praised in my life. But I also know this. When my butt's in the seat, all right, my week goes much better because I make him first. So, so put him 
Put him first. First place belongs to God. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 33. He said, seek the kingdom of God. He, he, listen, he doesn't say seek the kingdom of your career. He doesn't say seek the money. He doesn't say seek your kids above all else. No, he says seek the kingdom of God. And, and then he will give you everything you need. He knows what you need. He will give. And here's what we tend to do. We tend to bring our relationships to God. We tend to bring our finances to God. We tend to bring, um, or I'm sorry, we, 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 what we do is, we, let me, I'm saying that backwards. Let me, let me say it this way. We, what we do is we, we, we tend to first seek after the relationship. We tend to first seek after the job. We tend to first seek after the finances, and then we ask God to bless it. That's, that's backwards, because what we're, you know what we're doing when we do that? We're inviting God to worship at the idols that we've created and made. God, this is the relationship I want. I like this. This is what I want. I I need this, God. I need this job. I need this person to love me. I need that. I I mean, God, I need you to do this. I need, and we invite God into that, and we're actually inviting him to worship at the idols we've created and made. And it should be the other way around. We start with God. God, all right, God, how do you want me to spend my money? God, how do you, what relationships are the best relationships for me? God, what job do you want me to have? Where, where do you want me to go? What decisions? What was my future? God, I want to start with you. Because here's how it works. It works simply as simple as this. Do you know, you can go to the fair, you can spend 50 bucks, um, you know, throwing a softball and win a, a, a Pikachu and be in the complete will of God. That makes no sense, does it? But think about it for a moment. If I prayed, I said, God, I'm going to take my family to the fair. How do you want me to spend my money? And God said, all right, what I, what I think would be good for you, and this, I just, you're having this conversation with God, and you just have this impression about it. You're like, yeah, we got about like, we'll take 50 bucks. You know what? Let's just go on the midway, and let's just have a good time. Let's just bless the kids. Let's, let, let's get them laughing. Let's get them having fun. We'll try to we'll just win, them a, we'll win this kid a giant Pikachu. You lay down 50 bucks, and that kid walks out of there with a giant Pikachu. Another person lines up right next to you, spends the same 50 bucks, and walks out of the fair miserable. Why? Because they did not start with God. Because they blew 50 bucks. Because that wasn't how God asked them to spend the $50. You know, you can, you can be sitting at work, okay? You can be sitting at work, same job, same career, desk right next to each other, one person completely fulfilled, loving life, excited and blessed, and the person right next to them completely miserable. Why? Because one person started with God and the other person never invited God into the process. Like you can, you can have a relationship and you have this relationship and it's just on fire and it's beautiful and it's, and it's lovely and it's amazing and, and this other person can have a relationship sitting right next to you and they're miserable and the difference maker is one person started with God. God, what relationships should I be in? And the other person never even thought about asking God or invited God into the relationship they wanted and manipulated God and are miserable. So Jeremiah, he says this, he says in verse 8, here's what happens when, this is what happens when we start with God. This is what happens. He says, they are like trees. I think this is such a good picture of core church, you know. This is a picture of core church. They're like trees planted along a riverbank. 
Jesus said it this way, living, rivers of living water will flow from them. This is who we are at Core Church. Like we place our hope in God, okay? We connect our hearts in worship and we find hope as we connect our hearts in worship. We are planted. This is who we are as a people. This is what we understand. This is what we know. We are not stunted shrubs in a desert, no. He says this, such trees are not bothered by the heat, worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Why? Because they don't live in a barren wilderness. This is who we are. This is the kind of church we are. We are a people who start with God. We start with him. We put him first. This is why the people of Core Church smile wider than anybody in our city because we got it figured out. This is what you're doing right now. We put God first. We put him first in our relationships. We put him first in our finances. And we realize this is what's going to make us a blessed people. This is what's going to be. And this is the thing. The rivers of living water flow out from us. Hope flows out from us to a world that so desperately needs it. 